Hello, friends. Marvin B. here once again with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. This is a very special show that we are doing today. This is going to be the start of the Synology Show. And I have with me as a guest, Douglas Ricketts from Synology. And we're going to talk about the business case for Synology. Basically, we're going to start with the fact that I was an imbecile for many years. <laughs> no, Marvin, no way, no way, never, never. Uh, so, Doug, say hello to everybody here. Hey, guys. Hey, Marvin. Thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, really happy to be here. This has been a long time coming. Yes, right? it has. And I, I feel like a lot of it was on us. Honestly, you, you've been pretty, pretty good about getting this on the calendar. And we just kept uh, stuff. Stuff just kept popping up. So we're, we're excited to be here. You're like, who is this little weasel <laughs> in the industry? Just you know, push them back, push them off. We'll get to them eventually. <laughs> we we had uh, we had a lot come up uh, these last few weeks um, and Synology as a whole as it was a good thing. Actually, a great thing. The company's growing uh, a lot. And uh, yeah, we're we're definitely looking forward to taking some time to actually have good conversations as opposed to focusing on the internals at Synology here. Well, you guys have been blowing up and you've actually been doing it for a yep. few years now. I just don't know what happened recently outside of COVID that everybody decided we don't need servers. Let's do NASIS. Uh, you know, that's a great question myself. Um, I think that having the ability to own your data and have it on premise at any given time is something that has always in this, you know, just basically sparked interest in the industry at whole. Uh, and of course, with the growth of cloud and whatnot, um, there's plenty of good reasons to have copies of your data on premise, but I think servers at whole are, are pretty expensive, right? Having those uh, deployed and, and having them populated is time consuming, right? So deploying a NAS is often a great solution that came comes with those same type of warranties that you're going to get from servers too. That is true. And especially now, you're right, servers are expensive. I actually replaced one a couple of months ago and it was, I think, 60% higher than what it should have been. But mm. the customer needed it and we did it. As a side note, I just replaced a file server where the customer, I don't, I think it was five terabytes or something like that, but they're, they're a growing firm and they needed the expandability of a server. So putting in my regular HP server wasn't going to work for them. When I looked at the cost of an HP NAS versus a Synology NAS, they were like Synology right now. So <laughs> we just deployed a, I think it's a 30 terabyte NAS even though they don't need the space now, they can grow into it. I'm using it for additional backup services. And those are the things that we're going to talk about today. That's great to hear. That's awesome to hear. And, and that's what we aim to do. I think at first glance, when you actually hop onto the Synology site, you see a site that is full of products, right? It's got, there's a lot of options. And sometimes, sometimes for some folks that can be overwhelming. So I'm going to help bring some clarity to that here today. Uh, and to the same token, um, Marvin, will have a good conversation about it too. 
All right. Well, let's start with the perception issue, because I'll be honest, that's where I was years ago. I saw Synology as something for the hobbyist or the solo tech and not something that was, you know, really solid for a business network. That's all I dealt with. Those are my clients. And so I felt like eh, Synology might be nice to have for, you know, some storage, some basic storage needs, maybe a backup NAS or something like that. And I don't know why, but it only was in the last maybe 18 months that I did go in and look at all the things that you guys are doing. And so, of course, the first thought is not only can you do backup and storage, but you can also do, you know, basically server replacements. So that's what got me on board. Absolutely. So, I mean, I want to take us back about two, maybe two and a half, almost three years ago at this point. I, I never count the pandemic. I ne- like I, I always skip right back to 2020 and then it's just the year before that. So I always have to think about the pandemic and add on some years okay? because uh, it's already been a few years at this point, which is crazy. But we released uh, two products that kind of, I think, paved the way for our sort of advent into the smaller enterprise environments. And that, those are the UC3200, which is a unified controller, and the SA3200D. Both of those units are dual controllers. Now, when that happened, that opened up a door that really you can't close. After you're in that environment, you're in it. Um, and that is basically growing the large, large, so all the way from SMB to large enterprise type deployments and environments. Um, so we we really had to grow it out. And so your thought of, you know, our brand coming out as consumer-based is not at all without education. I mean, you're 100% correct. That's where we were many, many years ago. But now we're in a different space. We're still there and our products are still, I talk to uh, end users all the time. I talk to a, a guy that had a rack unit at home that he uses personally for his own stuff. And, and you know, uh, we're, we're there, we're, but we're growing in the SMB and small enterprise sec, uh, sectors as well. So you mentioned, you know, the person having their stuff at the house. I always looked at Synology as if, if you weren't doing storage or you weren't doing backups, they were doing things like Plex and Docker mm-hmm. and things that I, one, knew nothing about because, I'm you know, I'm not the geeky tech like I don't run home and look for new gadgets to play with and stuff. There's not much technology at my house. As a side note, today our sprinkler guy is at the house installing a digital cloud-based uh, controller for the sprinkler system. A digital cloud-based is that like a geofence type solution? I have no idea, but I do. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> So we have this issue where part of our yard needs more water than the others. Okay. And we've just got the mechanical timer that, you know, does the four zones and it does them for, you know, 12 minutes, 24 minutes, blah, blah, blah. And you can't just turn it on when you want. You got to go and, you know, circle the dial and stuff. And I'm the kind of guy where I really don't want a whole bunch of web stuff connected to my home network. I don't, I don't want my neighbors, you know, peeking in, trying to hack or things of that nature. So it took them two years and them, I mean, my sprinkler guy and 
and my wife to say, why don't you get a digital timer that you can control from an app so that when we need to, you know, if there's a drought down, which happens down here in Florida a lot, uh-huh. we can turn on the water, you know, more. Uh, we can turn on just one zone at a time so that her flowers and her, you know, you know, special palm trees and stuff like that can get the water that they need. And I don't have to worry about running out, manually changing the dial, flipping it back, missing his own, that sort of stuff. So I don't know why we got off on that. Marvin, that, that, well, that, no, that's really cool. What I thought you were going to say when you said a cloud-based digital uh, um, uh, sprinkler, I thought you were going to say that it, it like looks at the weather and it, it says, okay, it's raining this day. I'm not going to turn on. It's dry this day. I'm going to turn on. You well, know, it, that would be cool though, right? <laughs> they, they have those. They have, okay. you know, they have them with the built-in God. rain sensors and all that. So I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm like, okay, I'll spend a thousand bucks now. Just put in the, put in the easy one. We'll start there and, and see what happens. Sure. So, so go, going back to, to Plax and Docker and, and the geeky, I am the geeky. Okay. Tech. Like I got, I got a lot of tech at home. I don't yet have a digital sprinkler, but now that you've mentioned it, I'm probably <laughs> going to have to get one. Um, so you're right. And people still use it for that. I, we have employees at Synology that use, you know, their own Synologies as Plex servers. Uh, we have developers that use Docker pretty regularly as well. Um, so, you know, all of that is still applicable, I think, to the market, but the consumer grade NAS of the past is no longer. I mean, what you're finding now is SMB equipment and you can get SMB equipment in your house if you want it. Um, and you can get uh, large scale enterprise type equipment in your house that you want. It. And the great news is it's nowhere near as expensive as that equipment's going to be for an enterprise. So SMB businesses can really build up and support themselves because they don't have to invest all that much money uh, in the beginning to, to actually get started. So let's uh, start with a couple of minor points and then we'll move back to the controller because I am looking at that. So we can talk about that a little bit later, but I want to go back to some of the things that we mentioned about server replacement, because that to me was probably, I don't want to say it's the, the biggest point, of making me choose Synology, but the fact that, you know, you can use Synology as a DHCP server, a DNS server, uh, there are some directory services built into it. That was a big kicker for me last year when I had a client that was splitting from one business's in, uh, one business into two, and the second business didn't need a full server, but they needed something to consolidate storage. And I looked and saw all of these things that can be done. And I said, why not just get them that? So that got me on board. And, you know, we're talking, you know, full DHCP, full DNS uh, and directory services. Now, not full active directory, but close. So can you talk to those a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, having the ability to scale out those DHCP or even directory services type solutions within the NAS accomplishes a few things. The one thing is they're license free, right? So for an MSP to be able to do that, they can monetize on that solution pretty heavily, right? They can use that internally, can set it up, they can deploy it. um, And then there's a monetization strategy on the back end. Now, the second point is that for an SMB, it's not overwhelming for them to be able to manage that environment all the way down to their directory services, right? 
all of that can be done directly through the NAS. So if, you know, the MSP says, hey, you know, I'm going to hand over control to our end user, the consumer feel of DSM, it's almost still there. So when they open it up, instead of seeing, you know, like a very complex terminal type application or SQL type application, what they see is a front end that with a GUI that is just so easy to interact with. Um, and that gives flexibility to both the end user um, and the MSP as well. Now, um, in terms of those services, I would say the SMB market is where those services shine the most right now. The flexibility, the the potency in it. When you get up into smaller enterprise or enterprise type deployments, the directory services, um, even our Active Directory that is built into the NAS, uh, which can so we can either integrate to an Active Directory. So if you do have a directory in place, we can integrate, or we can be the directory as well. We can be an Active Directory for your environment, um, and having that all within the NAS is just so it's so simple to use for uh, for end users and MSPs. So the fact that you said that you can integrate with a domain, which is what I did in the you know in the beginning, all of my offices had you know, DCs and file servers and SQL, whatever. So I just added this to the domain and made those services avail- available for, for instance, the file services. Um, but for that customer that I split off, the fact that I could make the NAS be a domain controller was crucial, which, in, you know, includes all of those services there. And you can add workstations to the network, just like a domain control, uh, domain computer uh, using the NAS. Yeah, and and I don't want to get too far off topic of the NAS, but we actually have C two identity uh, as well, which is a cloud based um, identification software uh, directory service, if you will, uh, where it can actually function very much like an Active Directory in the cloud. So we are we are seeing obviously the trend of cloud being extremely important to environments as they develop, especially now with internets, with some enterprise internet hitting 10 GP, 10 gigs, uh, with some consumer grade internet hitting two gigs, uh, going to the cloud is something that we've really been focusing on for the past few years too. All right. So I think what I want to do is the cloud discussion. When we went over our pre-show notes, it looks like we can have an entire show based on the cloud. So I do want to do that in part two of the business case for Synology. But if we can quickly go back and talk about for somebody who maybe was me or is me now, like I was two, three years ago, what do you think would be the initial things to say that a Synology NAS can do that your existing server can do? For you to make the change outside of, you know, you, you mentioned a big key, you know, license free. I mean, with the Windows server, you know, you've got to buy cows for every user that needs to connect. So if you've got a 30 <laughs> user office, you know, that's thousands of dollars just in license costs. I, I think number one is, is indeed the licensing fees, the costs that it can reduce for your business. Number two is the ability to actually back up PCs and physical servers, A, without ingress and egress worries, right? Backing them up to the cloud. B, you have them on-prem, you own that data, and it's easily recoverable. And C, the data is encrypted. 
it's your data. I mean, I work specifically with a healthcare team um, here at Synology. And I, I used to be in the SIVR team, which was, you know, with the MSPs. We met down at the TechCon event um, uh, back in Chicago about a year ago. Uh, and I would say that the usage cases are going to be very different for those two environments. But being able to back up your servers as a whole and have them be encrypted and secure is something that's extremely important. Now, that's just one solution. Those, those things that I just talked about were one solution. There's the ability to actually push that entire NAS, that entire environment, to a different NAS and spin that up if that NAS ever fails. Also, you can make your environments highly available at no additional cost, meaning that if your primary NAS fails, a secondary can then take over. So while we call it a NAS, it's almost... It's almost a lie. It's almost not a NAS. It's, it's almost way more than that. It's outgrowing its NAS <laughs> yeah. childhood days, right? Yes, yes, yes. It, so we, we say NAS, we say SAN. We use them pretty interchangeably now. Um, but, but I came into the market knowing Synology as a NAS. And when I started finding out what NAS actually means in the market, I was pretty surprised that we call this a NAS. Mm. Very interesting. All right. So, Doug, let's do this. Let's go ahead and plan on part two for our next episode. But before we leave, I probably really didn't do a great job of introducing you at the beginning of this show. (laughs) I interrupted. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Not only are you with Synology, you are an account manager at Synology, and you said you're in the healthcare account management team. So tell us what that specifically means. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking, Marvin. The healthcare account management team, that was an endeavor we started back in November. Uh, my colleague, Cindy, and I uh, really just kind of took it under, uh, t- took it upon ourselves to kind of build out that market because we were looking to make consistent changes, I think, to the organization as a whole and how we interact with end users and how we actually communicate new deployment ideas. And the idea would be that we, we chat with those end users with the technical knowledge specific to that industry. So, for example, in, in November, I really I hit the books. I felt like I was in college again. And I just started learning and absorbing all the knowledge that I possibly could about healthcare environments. We started having conversations with professionals in the industries. I had some conversations with professors as well, um, just to kind of understand that market. And I... I I have a technical thought process, uh, so I really had a fun time learning this and trying to plan out deployments uh, for these healthcare environments. So that's what we do here. It's now branched off into so much more. And again, the idea really is to funnel that business to MSPs. So we, we create opportunities. We build out solution sets. We architect, we cr- architect uh, NAS deployments. And then we say, hey, MSP, um, hey, value-added reseller, you guys are Synology partners. We want to give you this business. Here it is. Make that sale. We don't sell direct as a company. So that's what we're here to do. And that has also been one of the things for me that I don't have to compete for business. And uh, I appreciate that. And Doug, you have been beneficial as, uh, as well as my account manager, Brandon, uh, Cindy, Rachel, a lot of people there. I, I appreciate uh, your willingness to engage with the community. And we will continue to do so. So that is going to do it for part one of the business case for Synology. Doug and I will be back soon with our second episode. And uh, stay tuned. Doug, thank you very much. 
Thank you so much, Marvin. Looking forward to number two. All right, folks. We'll see you here in a little bit. And until then, holla.